You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Welcome back to Open Court with Jay Young, your podcast place for Fairfield basketball, along with coach on Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. And we're also pleased to be joined today by the Stags' new point guard, Caleb Fields. And it's the start of a big week, busy week for the Stags. They will be spending the Thanksgiving holiday playing three games in three days at the Hostelow Hoops Classic in Savannah, Georgia. Fairfield Towson Friday at 4, and then it's Fairfield Mercer Saturday night at 7.30. And then the Stags wrap things up with a Sunday game at 7.30 against Evansville. So, um, Coach, how did the Stags get involved in this event down in Savannah? Yeah, it was really just a matter of us um, knowing that we had to play uh, on the road for a significant amount of time in November and just trying to break up the away schedule with some neutral site games. So uh, Chris Casey, my assistant, did a great job. We were considering a couple of different options, and this seemed to be the best option at the time. Um, although when we agreed to it, we weren't playing Towson at the time. So <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have rethought it uh, after the fact, but uh, we get three games in three days at a neutral site rather than being, you know, obviously like we have been uh, – on the road at an opponent's home site. So that's what it came about. One of those multi-team events. So you get, it's a three counts as one uh, nice advantage. As you said, it comes at a point in the season where you were going to be on the road. So let's get some games in. Um, I got to thinking about these MTEs and I was wondering if now that you have a new arena here on campus, any chance that maybe somewhere down the line that Fairfield could host one of these MTEs? I'd love to. Um, it's a great way for you to get to 31 games. Obviously, you need to play in an MTE to get to 31, or you have to play in 29. So right. I think everybody looks for these. And it kind of simulates what the end of the season is going to be like for you, where you have to play several uh, games in several days. So I would certainly like to. Uh, you know, we got a, obviously a beautiful facility now. Uh, so I think it would be attractive to uh, people, and it gives you home games. So it's a, it's a win-win on, uh, on, all, on all fronts. So, Jay, um, you've been great with me. You're a dog person, and as you know, I had to put my dog down, which was one of the worst days of my life. But my wife and I now have an empty nest, a real empty nest. Are there any other uh, MTs planned at nice places like next year? <laughs> I could take my wife. We could go to Florida, Hawaii, or something like that. You guys just need another dog, I think. I don't think you need to come. You just need to adopt another dog. That's what I would suggest. But we haven't, we haven't done uh, – we're not that far out yet, but we certainly want to play in one every year. Because, like I said, it gives you the option to get to 31 games, which I think every coach kind of looks as that as the uh, way to go. So uh, I'm sure we'll we'll be playing in one. So um, speaking about the um, the Mahone, Leo Mahoney Center, is that what we're calling it? The, the Leo Ma- Leo Mahoney Arena. I'm going to call it Leo. The Leo. Everybody's calling it the Leo. So Bob was there Friday night. I was there Sunday. Okay. So my question to you is, I'm not asking you if there was a fight between you and the women's program to get the first game. But did you try hard to get that first game in? Well, I've told everybody this story. Uh, When we made our scheduling decisions, uh, there was no real date that had been decided. We were pretty, you know, you don't make these in September. You, you, these decisions of filling your schedule a month's out. And we just couldn't get anybody to commit to a date. 
that it was absolutely going to be finished. And we didn't have a backup plan. Obviously, we weren't going to go back to Bridgeport. And you can't go to Bridgeport and say, okay, we need this date reserve, but we may not use it. <laughs> so uh, we we kind of knew that around Thanksgiving would be a target date, but then you don't want to open up the arena when the students aren't here. Mm. So they all go home uh, Wednesday. And then you really want to do it on a weekend. So the next weekend that was available was that December 3rd weekend, which is our league weekend. So we just could not risk scheduling a game right. and not having a venue to play in it. So that's really how that came about. So now you get ready to play uh, down in Savannah during Thanksgiving weekend. Um, you know, the scenario is, Coach, not one that you anticipated. Uh, still looking for that uh, first win of the season. I was wondering – how that is weighing on the team? How do you keep it positive? Uh, you want to have that positive attitude going down to play three games in three days. So from a coaching standpoint, uh, what kind of a challenge does that pose to you? You know, to be perfectly transparent, it's weighing on all of us. It's, it's, it is weighing on the team and it's weighing on the staff and, and uh, we think we should be playing better and we're not. We're trying to fix that right now. But as I reminded them yesterday that I think we have a very good team. We have a talented team. We're a work in progress and trying to figure some, some things out. But uh, I think we had, I don't know, we have 27 games left on our schedule and, and uh, I believe we can win every one of them. That's what I truly believe. We have to play better, obviously, to do that and have to fix some things. But I think everybody in the room is confident that it's not a talent issue right now. It's just trying to, us to figure out some chemistry issues and uh, some other things that we're kind of getting in our own way. So uh, I think if when you're not talented, uh, it's it's a you think a little differently. I think we all feel that we've got a lot of pieces here, and we've just got to figure out how they work together. So um, as a maybe the biggest supporter of Fairfield basketball for the last whatever years, my my concern, my my problem, if I'm going to ask you a sharp question, is is you practice for four weeks in the summer, forty days in the fall, and it seems to me you still don't know who to play. So. That's going to play into my question. Your plan for these three games coming up, are you just are you at the point where you sit down with your staff and you say, you know what, I'm playing these guys 25 to 30 minutes and see how they do? Yeah, I, mean, I know it's your problem. It's my problem, too, that, <laughs> that after all those practices, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I think what happens is when guys separate themselves in practice, that's the easy decision for you, right? You've got – this guy at this spot, and he's clearly someone else's his backup. We haven't had the separation that I've hoped for in practice. And there certainly hasn't been separation in games either. So these decisions that you're making of who to play uh, become difficult, quite honestly. And uh, we're trying to figure out, honestly, Joe, just a rotation of some guys. Uh, I'm trying to play a lot of guys. I don't know if that's good or bad right now. Obviously, it's it hasn't worked out. Uh but we're trying to find a rotation of guys who are just going to be really competitive uh, on every possession, play as hard as they can, and uh, that's what I'm really looking for on, on both ends. Uh, let's address things at both ends of the floor because obviously there are issues at both ends of the floor. Starting offensively, um, the general consensus was, and you've already acknowledged, and we agree, there's certainly enough offensive talent on this team, yet you're averaging – um, just under 62 points per game through the first four. If I had said to you before the season began, four games in, 
where that number would be. Obviously, it would be above 62 points right. per game. Where would it be, and, and where would it eventually get to as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I truly believe we're going to make shots. Um, you know, we've got to take better shots for sure. That's something that we continue to address. But we've gotten some wide open ones too that we just haven't been able to hit. So I believe we will make shots, and we've got proven shot makers. This is not a thing where uh, guys have not made shots in this program. We we have the guys who are currently not making shots are all proven. So I want them to stay confident. Uh, we've got to. I use this analogy all the time. We got to swing at more uh, balls that are over the middle of the plate. You know, mm-hmm. we just when it's not going well from you, you got to swing at strikes, and uh, we got to take some. Our shot selection has to be better. Uh, but I, th- I think we, I'm confident we have shot makers and guys who can d- do it. We haven't done it. It's been frustrating for all of us. Uh, but I, we're way better than what we've shown off- offensively for sure and defensively for that matter too. Well, defensively, again, the numbers have got to be um, probably even more disappointing than at the offensive end because, as you said, start swinging at pitches over the plate and knocking down those shots. It will happen. But defensively, I know that – this is what you emphasize, and um, what is it? Uh, opponents close to 50% from the field. Uh, they're scoring 75 points per game on average against you. So, are again, how far behind the curve are you defensively compared to where you thought you would be four games into the season? Well, you know, you also played Wake Forest and Xavier in that, those yep. two, and you end up foul. So some of that's a little deceiving. We had the game at 58 the other night at Wagner, and we fouled. They got 10 points in the last minute and a half because you're down trying to yep. – so sometimes the numbers are deceiving. That's not to say we're good defensively. We're not. Yep. Um, I think our offense could help out our defense too. You know, if you're going to miss that amount of shots, you're going to be in transition defense. You're going to be playing at disadvantage. We've had some live ball turnovers that have really hurt us. And our perimeter defense has to get a lot better. We've, we just have not been able to stay in front of the ball. Um, but we've had really good segments. You know, we've shown the guys uh, against Wake and against Xavier and, and against, you know, some good teams. Uh, you know, it's ironic that we've played much better against Wake and, and uh, Xavier than we did against uh, New Hampshire and against Wagner. So we've got to... Uh, we've got to be better on all areas. There's, there's right. The problem is right now. I, I can't just. It's not one thing we got to fix. We got to fix, uh, um, you know, a bunch of things which we're working hard to do. And the guys have had a great attitude. Um, but I feel I'm going to just reiterate. I feel we're a really good team that's going through a bad stretch. And I told them the other day I'd ra- rather be bad now than in March. And I think we're going to be a good basketball team. Well, typically, <clears throat> Jay, your teams do get better. They get better defensively. So I'm going to ask another question. Do you think playing Wake Forest and playing Xavier pretty tough that your guys look at the Wagners and New Hampshire's like these are W's on our schedule? Because Wagner, New Hampshire is shooting 51. They shot 51% from three. You gave up 50 points in the paint, so you're really not defending outside or inside. Is a big part of it your players don't understand that these are tough opponents? I don't think so. I, I You know, I, I think it's – you know, people have asked me, did you play down to the level of your opponents? And first of all, I think it's kind of disrespectful to New Hampshire and and Temple. I mean, and uh, Wagner. Wagner, who beat Temple on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're well coached. They they played hard. They executed. Uh, and this is college basketball. I have never gone into a game as a head coach thinking that we 
couldn't lose if we didn't execute. I don't care who we're playing. We we played uh, Medgar Evers last year, and I was nervous about the game. That's just sometimes you know, those games yeah, make you more nervous. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and this is all you have to do. I tell the guys every night is just look at the box scores the next morning. And this is college, but the upsets, the teams that are beating each other. So we've got to play better basketball. There's no question about it. Um, and our execution, there's so many areas. But I don't think it's that, Joe. I, I think, you know, is there an aspect of we're on the road on playing better teams and we're kind of our antenna maybe is up a little more about some stuff? Probably. But, uh, you know, I think and you can ask Caleb this, that, that we reiterate to these guys all the time that, that when you're playing college basketball and the other team shows up, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, and, and when you're on the road, you're in real trouble. So you got you to gotta play really well. You know, when, uh, it's funny, I, I, Bob and I spoke like five minutes before we arrived. We were both uh, in our car. That score that really caught my eye was Boston College 54, Tarleton 70. And this is kind of back to what you said, Tarleton. So I did my homework and found that they've been Division One for two years. And Billy Gillespie's Billy the coach. I was just going to say Billy Gillespie's so, the coach. So, you know, all of a sudden, like I said, like you said, Billy Herring in New Hampshire is a very good coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donald Copeland at Wagner. So uh, that, that, that's, that score just astonished me. I was wondering, Coach, you knew, we talked about it, uh, that this schedule is going to be a real you know, bear. Uh, eight straight road games. Four games into this eight-game stretch before you finally get to the uh, Leo Mahoney Arena, has it been a little tougher even than maybe you anticipated? Uh, has it taken a little bit more of the team than maybe you thought? Yes, uh, you know I, I'm I'm tired, yeah. you know, so I can just imagine what they're like. It's it's just you're not fire, you know, and I'm not complaining. We knew it was, but traveling is tiring as you guys know yeah. you know you're packing you i think our wake-up call getting out of uh wake forest was four o'clock in the morning and then we traveled all day you know coming back from uh from xavier the other night we get back they got to go to class and we had to play two nights later so we bought them back that night to watch film and walk through some stuff uh and then the next night we're leaving for another road trip so it, it, it is tiring. It, hey, it is what it is. We got to be tougher. and we. And, but it, honestly, yeah, it's exhausting. Uh, I haven't unpacked. I just keep throwing <laughs> more stuff into the suitcase and throwing some dirty laundry out. So that's kind of where we're all at right now. But uh, we're looking forward to a good Thanksgiving to get down and get some good weather. And what I hear is a very – I've never been to Savannah. I hear it's a very, very nice town and uh, and get back on the winning track. I think maybe there's a chance that this guy has been to Savannah uh, as we welcome in for the first time uh, Caleb Fields. And I mentioned that, Caleb, because uh, your sister Lauren played at Savannah State. Uh, were you, have you been down there to see her play? Are you familiar with the area? Yes, I'm familiar with the area. Um, my sister, she played there four years. Uh, I've been to a few games. You know, it's actually a real nice area. It's good food. Hopefully, you know, <laughs> go get some good food. Um, but yeah, my fan. I have a, uh, an aunt and uncle down there as well. So hopefully, I can get them to the game and see if they can come out and support me. Yeah, support you, support the stags. Uh, get some home, uh, some stag support there down in a place maybe uh, you wouldn't have anticipated as much. Good to have have you um, with that connection and your connection to Fairfield. Um, 
come here, as everybody knows from now, after uh, three years at Bowling Green. You didn't play last year at Bowling Green because of an injury. Uh, what was the injury and uh, how uh, much rehab went into finally getting back to uh, full strength? Um, so last year I had a minor tear in my groin. Uh, it happened in the preseason. And it was probably, like Coach says, we face a lot of adversity in life. And that was probably one of the biggest moments of my life of just like I couldn't play basketball for over a month and a half. The doctor said I couldn't play, so I had to just weight lift. And, you know, I mean, it's you can only do so much with weight lifting. So, I mean, it was just a real test for me. And, you know, one thing that got me through it was my faith because, you know, my family, we're Christians. So, you know, I prayed a lot and I just gave it all to God. And, you know, a lot of rehab went into it. You know, I had a good supporting cast, a good athletic trainer, rehab every day. And, you know, now I'm here. How uh, how did the injury occur? Um, I believe it occurred. So it was a lot of adrenaline I was going through because it happened at practice. So I was going over a ball screen guarding, uh, playing defense, and I stretched my leg like to go over the screen and I felt a little pop and, you know, I played through it. And then after practice, I, I told my trainer, you know, my leg felt a little sore. Then I woke up the next morning and I could barely walk. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I knew I had to get an MRI and ultrasound. I did all these, you know, tests and stuff to see what was wrong. And the ultrasound actually showed me that I had a tear in my groin. And then from that moment on, I just knew that I had to, you know, rehab and redshirt actually. Yeah, when uh, now I re read a little bit about the Bowling Green season last year, and um, I think they were playing it, you know, kind of coyly, uh, just not really revealing the extent of the injury. There was, in other words, there was thought that maybe you would actually play last year for Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. When did the decision actually uh, come about that you're going to have to shut it down and take that red shirt? So I had a quarter zone shot, um, and they told me that you know, depending on how I feel after the cortisone shot. Because, you know, my coaches brought me into the office and they offered me the opportunity to take a red shirt. And I said, you know, I wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to try it out. I went through all the opportunities to do it. Um, I took a cortisone shot. Uh, we were about to play, I think it was one of the, it was our first game of the season. We went down there and I, I warmed up for shoot around in the morning and I just didn't feel good. So I told my trainer that. And from that moment, I called my mom and my dad, and I was like, I don't want to keep doing this, you know, on and off all season. And especially it's my senior year, and, you know, next year is not guaranteed. I know I get a COVID year back, but it wasn't guaranteed. So we prayed about it, and, you know, we came to the decision just redshirt, and my coaches was fine with it. Caleb, um, let's backtrack a little bit. 1,674 points at Wildwood Catholic. Give me an idea of your recruitment. Who did you – and I'm going to give you a two-part question – who did you um who did you why did you choose bowling green over who and then when you decided to transfer talk to me about the process of coming to fairfield so for the first part of your question um i was not really highly recruited out of high school believe it or not um a lot of schools you know patriot league um they wanted me to go to do a grad school year you know a prep year i'm sorry and i, I didn't want to do that so growing up, you know, in middle school, I had like everyone has a dream. And like my dream was to like play at a school sponsored by Nike, big school, have a football team. And I had NJIT. I had Binghamton. Uh, I visited Columbia. And then Bowling Green just came out of nowhere. And, you know, people were talking to me about Bowling Green and like, where is it? Is it in Kentucky? And I'm like, no, this is in Ohio. And they were like, oh, wow. So I went out there and visited after they offered me and stuff. And. It was just 
it was really a home away from home. Like, believe it or not, even though it was like nine hours away, you know, the people were so welcoming and it was just a, it was a great experience. And, you know, I don't regret going there. I actually had, you know, a great four years because a lot of people say, you know, after you transfer, uh, it means you regret it. No, I, I don't regret it. I got my degree. I have, I have lifelong friends, teammates, and I really enjoyed myself there. And the decision to go into the portal then must have been difficult because of what you just said. So what ultimately led to the decision to enter the portal? So leading to the decision for the portal, um, once I got hurt, you know, I, I was just a whole year of just evaluation of just to see, you know, what's next for me. And, you know, I, I felt myself as like as a player not getting to the, you know, not developing. I felt like I was peaking. So, you know, four years here, you know, we, we won a couple games. We 20, uh, 21 seasons, went to the championship my freshman year. And it was just like I'm getting my degree and I think it's time for something new. And, you know, I talked to my family about it and they agreed. And, you know, then Coach Young came along. He was the first person, uh, Fairfield staff was the first, first people to reach out to me. And they just showed so much love and showed how much they cared about me and how much, you know, they wanted me here. And he told me he wanted me to be special. And if you can't be special, you don't belong here. And that, he said that in front of my dad. I don't know if you remember that, but he said in front of my dad and my brother. And that was the first thing I, I brought up to my family when I, you know, when I left uh, the visit here. And I said, Coach wants me to be special. And if I can't be special, I don't belong here. And, you know, that kind of stuck with me because, like, that he sees, you know, something in me that I may not see. And that's why I'm here now. Who was uh, Fairfield uh, matched up against as far as the portal competition was concerned? Um, I had Moorhead State, uh, NGIT, they wanted me back. Uh, Chattanooga, they reached out to me. Uh, a few other schools, I don't, I don't really, you know, remember all the stuff. I just know that once Coach, you know, and Coach Dewar, Coach Casey, once they started reaching out to me, it was just, I really wanted to go to Fairfield, and I was committed here. Coach, how did uh, Caleb end up on your radar when the portal process began? Well, we were certainly looking for an older guard, and uh, I remembered Caleb's name from being in the New Jersey area. I, I, I may have seen him play. I'm getting old. I can't remember who I saw play, but I think I saw him play one game down there. So I did remember the name, and then Brian Dewar was the first guy to kind of bring his name to my attention. And then we just really jumped into a bunch of film, um, and made a ton of calls to people we know. Spoke with uh, Mike Uger at at uh, Bowling Green and said really good things about him. So it was we felt a natural fit with him being closer to home. And then you know he came up for his visit, and I loved his family, loved his dad, uh, and everything about him. So uh, you know we we were really excited about it when he told us that he was going to come. You were telling us uh, before we began the podcast about his dad. So you just mentioned his dad and. Uh... Why don't you tell us a little bit about why he was so impressive to you? Yeah, I, I just loved his uh, his demeanor. And, it, you know, he, he was a federal uh, corrections officer for, for so many years. And uh, I remember, you know, the dad saying to me uh, when he committed and I called his dad to thank him for everything. And he said, well, if, if you, you ever have any trouble from whatever, first of all, you can do whatever you want. And secondly, call me. So I said, this is the best dad I've ever had in my life. I love this guy. And uh, he comes from a great family. A great, they, they've been, uh, I know they were at Wagner the other night. I saw them all with their uh, sh their shirts sure, on. Yeah. And I saw them at Rutgers. They had shirts made up. So just a really, really, you know, terrific people. Just really good people. And you can tell uh, where Caleb gets that yeah. from. 
Caleb, uh, I don't know if you know the history of Fairfield, but they've always had a history of having great guards here. So, um, <laughs> do you know what he's talking about? You know what he's talking about there, right? Well, anyway, so thir- 30 se- you're off to a great start. So, congratulations. And to talk with you for five minutes, you seem like the perfect Fairfield young man on the court and off. 37 minutes, which is probably a little bit too much, but almost 16 points, four rebounds. You're 48% from three, 82 from the line. You're first in steals. Your assisted turnovers are eight to nine, but I'm not worried about that because you're 1.7 to one in your three years playing at Bowling Green. How I'm going to ask you a big question now. How are you going to make this team win games right now? Because they need to win some games. That's a good question. Uh, so, honestly – I feel like getting my teammates more involved and, you know, taking that leadership role. Um, I was a leader. I was a cat, one of the captains at Bowling Green and, you know, I didn't have that role of, you know, scoring or, you know, distributing and stuff, but now my role is much bigger and I think it makes it easier because, you know, I am uh, obviously, you know, right now the leading scorer and, you know, most minutes played. I feel like leading the team is easy as with that role because, you know, it's easy to follow and I, I'm very vocal um, coach, cause I hope coach can vouch for me for that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like just, you know, I put in the work. What's one thing I do is lead by example. You know, I stay in the gym, uh, win or lose, I'm in the gym and, you know, I live in the gym and I, I really enjoy, I enjoy the work. I enjoy the process of, you know, just being great. And I feel like doing that, my teammates will follow. Coach, uh, just for the record, tell our listeners who are the actual quote unquote captains of this team right now. So, uh, yeah, Chris Mido, uh, AJ, and uh, Zach Chrysler. Okay. Alan Jean and uh, Zach. Which leads me to ask Caleb. These are all returning players. Uh, those guys have been around the block here at Fairfield a few times. But just we get the sense just talking to you now and listening to you, you are certainly a natural leader and almost a de facto captain on this team. But how hard – is it, or maybe not hard, but challenging, is it to come in as a new player and then kind of try to, you know, take over that, you know, lead guy, leadership role? Um, honestly, it wasn't really that challenging. You know, I, I'm just, I'm a real confident person, so I'm confident in my abilities. And, you know, if I'm picked captain, if I'm not, you know, it's not going to stop how hard I work, how hard I play. It's not going to stop, you know, me leading others, you know, helping the young guys, you know, in a drill or help, helping someone else understand a play. Because I asked the same questions and I was in the same position as a freshman at Bowling Green. So I feel like it's not, it wasn't really that difficult. It's just something, you know, naturally that I do. Yeah. Well, certainly I think just watching this team in the early part of the season, um, leadership, good leadership is needed on this team and it's, Great to hear you uh, saying that you're more than willing and capable, certainly, of uh, filling that role. Uh, you talked about you already have your degree from Bowling Green. What is the degree in, and uh, what are you uh, studying uh, graduate uh, level here so at Fairfield? I, um, my uh, bachelor's degree, of bachelor of science in criminal justice was at Bowling Green, and I started here with a. I'm going to get my MBA with a concentration in cybersecurity. But as of right now, I'm, I'm I have time because we spaced it out. Because you know, uh, since I have two years available, I'm going to space out my master's degree in two years rather than doing one year. So I have time to pick my new concentration. So right now, I'm just going to get my MBA. Well, it sounds like uh, you're on the same path as your dad. Uh, criminal justice. Uh, what What is your ultimate goal beyond basketball? <sighs> My ultimate goal, I honestly don't really have one right now for, like, what I want to do after basketball. 
I mean, obviously I want to own a business or own a little restaurant or just something. I want to be in control. But um, growing up, it was either going to be, you know, my mom, she, she's in the medical field. She was a diagnostic mammographer for Atlantic Care for so many years. So it was either that or, you know, in the um, criminal justice field. And the medical field is just too much. It was too much schoolwork. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do the extra years after. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. So that's that's why I picked, you know, criminal justice. Well, the, you and the Stags are headed to uh, Savannah, and as you've already told us, you're familiar uh, with the lay of the land down there. Coach, um, the obvious question, getting ready to play three games in three days, uh, starting with Towson, which um, of the teams you're playing on paper posed the biggest challenge there. I think the preseason or were the preseason favorite in the CAA. Great season last year and uh, happened to be coached by one of your good friends, right? Pat right. Scarry is, right. is yep. a good buddy of yours. Uh, yeah. How how difficult is that? Well, listen, once you get on the floor, that goes out the window. But right. talk about your relationship with Pat. Yeah, we go back a lot of years to when Pat was a player. I first met him when he was a player at Tufts University right. and uh, uh, was a feisty little point guard, a lot, a lot uh, lighter than he is now, for sure, yeah. uh, but was a tough point guard at Tufts. And then... You know, he wanted to get into coaching, and uh, I really thought he was going to make a terrific coach. And uh, I was on the staff at Northeastern. We had a position open at the time. Pat was the head coach at a Division three school called Curry College right outside of Boston. And Pat wanted to give it a try. So uh, I really encouraged at the time Rudy Keeling was our, our uh, head coach to, for him to hire Pat. And, uh, you know, I knew Pat was going to be really special as a coach, and, and he's done an unbelievable job. He's got a great team, and uh, you open against them, and then you play Mercer, and then Evansville. Um, again, how do you handle the scout, and what are the particular challenges of playing so many games in such a short period of time? Right now, we're just looking at Towson. Yeah. We're not even thinking about the other two. We'll get there when we get there, and each assistant has a scout that they're in charge of, and we'll be well prepared. We've kind of gone through this, you know, certainly at the end of the season when the tournament comes, and then we played in uh, – you know, the event in Disney my first year here was very similar situation, yep. three games in three days. So we're used to it, and, and our focus really right now is completely on Taos, and you'll worry about the other ones <laughs> when they get there. And, uh, you know, we'll be well prepared, and we're playing a really good team. Uh, I put them in that same category as Xavier and, and Wake. They don't have the size that those other teams do up front, but they've got some really talented guys. They had, guys, they had three uh, first-team all-conference guys in the CAA, and – uh, their point guard Jake Gibson is probably playing like a fourth one right now, quite honestly. So we'll have we'll have all sorts of areas of concern. But you know, honestly, I, I I'm glad we're playing a good team and we got to go out and play well. And and uh, and I'm looking forward to it. The um, Leo, I think we're going to call it just <laughs> the Leo. Out, the yeah, Leo that's just, easy. Yep. It just comes out naturally. The Leo opened the other night. Uh, the women opened it up uh, with a game against Stonehill on the Friday, and then they played Michigan. On Sunday, the women did. Uh, I was there on Friday, as Joe mentioned, and Joe was there on Sunday. And we listen. We're saying what everybody's saying. It's it's spectacular. Um, what have you heard about? What is the one single thing that you've heard about the new arena that really gets you, you know, fired up? There are a lot of things to like about it. What maybe one or two things that you've heard, or or I've seen. People seem to like the beer, so that's that's always a good <laughs> sign, you know, that that uh, they, they like that, but. For, for me, and I've said this before, and I think on the podcast, it's home, finally. Mm. Uh, that's the one thing that we've been missing since I've been here. It's home. Uh, and we're dying to get in there, obviously. We've got a lot of work to do before that. 
but we have not had that environment. Our guys have not had that environment. We played a little bit, you know, in Alumni Hall my first year here, and it, it was a decent environment. But even that schedule was still some games over at Bridgeport and still some. So you were just kind of all over the place. Now we have a place that we will call home for many, many years. And uh, we've got to do a great job of of making it the toughest place to play in, in college basketball. And that's what those environments are. You know, you want to. You want people to come into your building and feel like they're down 15. I, we used to get off the bus at Purdue when I was at Rutgers, and, and before you even stepped in the building, you'd feel, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is uh, this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> so uh, that's the feeling that we want. And, and for our guys, it's great. They want to play in front of their classmates and their fans, and this is what you got now. So it's a long-winded answer, but, and, but it's uh, it's just home for us now. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, I can tell you, and Joe will back me up on this, it's loud. It's, it's going to be loud. It's going to be a great um, advantage as far as uh, that particular aspect of a home arena is concerned. And, Caleb, you were there on Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts of the new, the new arena? How much also did it play into your decision? Sounds like Coach and the staff here was the number one reason you're here, but mm-hmm. the arena must have played into it as well. Absolutely. Um, like Coach said, you know, they didn't really have a home – uh, stadium on campus and once they showed me the pictures I was I was like wow I was like this is amazing what they're doing what the donors are doing what the school is doing it's just it's really a blessing for real and yeah I was at the game on Sunday and it is loud and I expect it to be loud when you know we get these wins down in Savannah and uh, play St. Peter's on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Joe um, I always wrap things up by asking if you have any other final thoughts or questions. Yeah, I, I do have a couple that I wanted uh, Coach to address. Um, the good and the bad. Um, was at two practices, saw James Johns Jr. play, played really well in the two practices I was at. He had one good game against New Hampshire, 13 points, 21 minutes. So I want you to address your feelings on him. And the other end, Wojcik is struggling. So comment on both those guys. Yeah, for both those guys, um, you know, uh, James has been great. He, I knew this when he, he's a work in progress. And, and um, you know, we're, again, we're trying to play a lot of guys and trying to figure out some rotations and trying to figure out where everybody's fits in. So it's a learning process for him just like it is for every other freshman. Uh, and we're trying to win some games and trying to find some combinations that will do that. Uh, obviously, that hasn't worked great so far, but we continue to do that. So he's doing well. He's working hard. He's got a good attitude, um, and uh, he's doing great. And and Woj, you know, obviously he's struggling. Uh, I have confidence in him. I told him this the other day. He's He's got to play, uh, you know, not thinking that every shot is the end of the world, and uh, I'm, I'm confident that he's going to make shots. He's made shots his entire career. Uh, he's never not made shots. This is – just a little blip uh, on, on, you know, on his career that's been very, very good and will continue to be good. I told him the story when Bri- when we got Brian Dewar at, uh, at Stony Brook that he, Brian coming out of the gate struggled like the first three or four games, maybe even longer. I, I just remember this conversation with his dad. I was very close with Brian's dad and still am. And I remember just having a conversation with his dad and, uh, his dad's a great man and, and really positive and made a comment about, you know, Brian str- struggling, not a negative comment. And I said to him, uh, Brian will be the greatest shooter ever in the history of Stony Brook. I, I assure you that. And he was. 
and is. And I just think guys who shoot, uh, they they go through these moments. Everybody does, and uh, and he's going to come out of it. And I think he's going to do it this coming weekend. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but you talked about trying to play a lot of players, and then you have a, a roster where there are maybe red shirt decisions to be made. Have those been made? Yes. So we're going to Mike Rogan and Ann Davis have both got a red shirt uh, for sure. We both bought them in, and and just. You know, trying to find them meaningful minutes this year was going to be almost impossible, so we wanted to save the year for them. Got it. Okay. Well, on to uh, basketball then. Uh, a lot of it coming up this week, uh, along with Thanksgiving. Hope you guys uh, enjoy your turkey down there. Uh, it's a team event, so it's a team bonding moment. And uh, on behalf of uh, our listeners, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, both of you. And Caleb, it was great getting to uh, listen to you. You're very impressive, and uh, we're, you're off to a great start as a stag. So continued luck as uh, you get this season on track and you get your Fairfield career up and running. Thank you. That'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young. The Leo D. Mahoney Arena open for business. The uh, men, as a reminder, play their first game. That'll be Saturday night, December the 3rd, versus St. Peter's. Uh, the Stags will open the Friday night before that on the road Mac play uh, at Manhattan. Actually, I said Friday. Uh, it'll be Thursday at Manhattan coming out of this Thanksgiving tournament. Thursday at Manhattan, road game to open the Mac season. And then the Leo opens for the men on Saturday night, December 3rd, against St. Peter's. Fairfieldstacks.com forward slash T-I-X to get your uh, season tickets and single-game tickets as the anticipation builds, the excitement builds, as the Stacks get ready to move into their new home. So for Jay Young and for Caleb Fields and for the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis and our great producer Ryan Moynihan, I'm Bob Eichler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.